0: FastGrowingTrees.com, code POOL. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. Last night, Tucker Carlson released definitive evidence that I believe exonerates the man known as the QAnon Shaman. Video footage showing police escorting him through the Capitol building and trying to open doors for him. If you're going to try and charge someone with doing something wrong, it would help if the police did not assist the individual in what they were doing. Now, if you think the QAnon shaman deserves prison, as many of the leftists and liberals do because they're freaking out, then fine. Those officers on camera, I believe there's maybe nine or so or more, should all be arrested and charged as well for aiding and abetting this man. Cops aren't above the law. Y'all want to defund the police, right? Okay. We can either go with arrest the Capitol police officers who aided this man or release him immediately. It would seem that Democrats and their neocon cohorts in the January 6th select committee omitted evidence, kept it from the eyes of the public because it was exculpatory. And uh, I got to say, That makes me feel like these people are evil. Now, of course, I've already felt that they are evil. They lie all the time about basically everything. And in order to secure power and expand their power, they pushed this lie relentlessly. Of course, now that Tucker Carlson has released much of this footage, or uh, I should say select portions of the footage, disproving some of their most potent claims, the media is losing their mind. They're saying he's lying. Don't trust Tucker Carlson. It's faux news. It's not Fox News. Yeah, we got, a, we got a bunch of these people absolutely losing it. But let me show you the evidence and we'll break it down so you don't need to take my word for it. I'd like to play you a clip from Tucker's show last night that I believe is exculpatory evidence. It. it is absolutely definitive proof that the man knows the QAnon, Q-anon shaman did nothing wrong. That's my view here. it dangerous
1: is. Dangerous conspiracy theorist dressed in outlandish costume who led the violent insurrection to overthrow American democracy. For these crimes, Chansley was sentenced to nearly four years in prison. Far this is a man. His
0: name is Jacob Chansley. They call him the QAnon shaman.
1: Far more time than many violent criminals now receive. What did Jacob Chansley do to receive this punishment? To this day, there is dispute over how Chansley got into the Capitol building. But according to our review of the internal surveillance video, it is very clear what happened once he got inside. Virtually every moment of his time inside the Capitol was caught on tape. The tapes show that Capitol Police never stopped Jacob Chansley. They. I
0: want to I go back and re-show that because I'm, I'm trying to zoom but in. According but according to make our sure review you can all of see as the internal surveillance
1: this, video, the police it is very clear what happened the once he got inside. Virtually every moment of his time inside the Capitol was caught on tape. The tapes show that Capitol Police never stopped Jacob Chansley. They helped him. They acted as his tour guides. Here's video of. In this
0: clip, the cops are in front of the shaman, attempting to open a door for him.
1: Chansley in the Senate Chamber. Oh, it's locked. Capitol Police officers take him to multiple.
0: Look at this. You can even see the officer here look back. I wonder what the cops said. Maybe something like, "We'll try another way." Because him then Chansley follows. Multiple the cop.
1: entrances and even try to open locked doors for him. We counted at least nine officers who were within touching distance of unarmed Jacob Chansley. Not one of them even tried to slow him down. Chansley understood that Capitol Police were his allies. Video shows him giving thanks for them in a prayer on the floor of the Senate. Watch.
2: Thank you, Heavenly Father, for giving the inspiration needed
1: to these police officers to allow us in this building... Contrast the reality of what Jacob Chansley did in the Capitol Building on January sixth. The industry.
0: So let me just go back and show you what we have here. Chansley is walking through the Capitol Building. Every m- there are police all around him. In fact, they're with him, walking with him. And I think the most important part of this is you'll get a lot of arguments saying, "Well, they're following him. Maybe they don't want. They're they're, they're worried he's violent. Or, oh, these are these are armed police officers." But fine. Make the argument. They're they're really concerned about this guy who broke into the Capitol. Then explain this: walking in front of Chansley, the police attempt to open the door for him, and then they don't. And then he follows them right back around. Wait a minute. Hold on. This dangerous man couldn't be stopped. It was too risky. He's surrounded by officers, many wearing helmets. They appear to be armed. Why aren't they stopping him? They let him in, as we know for many of these people. Here they bring him to another door after the fact, and he goes inside and he thanks them for letting him in. Absolutely incredible. Tucker Carlson played many other videos, some showing people cleaning up, because here's the truth about January 6th, the absolute truth. Oh, get ready, liberals. There was a violent riot at the Capitol building. Several insane people smashed windows and climbed through the building, fought with cops, and it was brutal. Some people got trampled to death. Some fell. It was horrifying. Yeah, all of those people who were violent and committing crimes, I look forward to seeing them prosecuted. As for the QAnon shaman, the issue is on the other side of the building, there was a planned rally, peaceful and permitted, and the police opened the doors. That's right. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez wants answers about this. And she's right. Who are these officers who are assisting these people into the building? Why were they doing it? So for someone like Chansley and many of these other people who have been criminally charged. They're walking up to a building with, where there's no fences. And of course, the Young Turks, they, they, they address this saying, if there is a trampled glass and blah, blah, blah. Let me explain something to you guys. You cannot charge someone with trespassing unless you warned them they are trespassing. That's a fact. I know because we've dealt with it. If someone is not, so so we have on our property, we have security measures, we have active security measures, I'll put it that. But uh, in the early days, we were informed by the police, if you do not have a sign, actually, I'll just tell you guys, if you don't have a sign, no crime is committed. People are allowed to enter your property. That's right. And you got to tell them to leave. You put up a sign and they enter your property anyway, congratulations, you've trespassed. Trespassing. Okay, now that they've trespassed, you can call the police and say, I got a trespasser. Create a physical barrier of any kind, any kind, and now they're committing burglary by entering your property. That is to say, if you have a thin piece of string wrapped around your property And there are signs saying do not pass, and they do. That's burglary, not trespassing. It depends on your state. Now, for the people on January 6th to be criminally charged, the problem is many of these people walked onto public property at a public building where the police fanned them in, opened the door, and gave them guided tours, as we just saw with Chansley. How are you going to claim insurrection, parading, or any of this stuff? Well, Chansley's in jail. Let's read a little bit of this, but I want to show you the the, uh, actual response. Many of you may have seen the news. Fox News reports, House Speaker Kevin McCarthy granted Tucker Carlson tonight an exclusive first look at over 40,000 hours of security camera footage from the Capitol building that were hidden from the public for over two years. On Monday, Carlson offered the first glimpses of footage involving key figures from that day. Now, here's where the media comes in. NBC News. Oh, boy, they're on it. Tucker Carlson with video provided by Speaker McCarthy, falsely depicts January 6th riot as a peaceful gathering. You see how they continue the lie. They want you to live in their bubble world. Let me me break it down for you again. The truth. Of course there's violent rioting. We all saw the videos. We saw the stories. But that was on one side of the building. For the peaceful protest on the other side, these people had no idea what was going on. Now what they want to do is conflate two different moments into one story. So when you see the bumbling dotards walking through the Capitol confused, they want you to believe those were the violent people who smashed their way in. Some, but many of them had, there's a video where the cops open the doors, letting people in, and a cop actually is heard on camera saying, I don't agree with it, but uh, he says I, I, he says something to the effect of, uh, I, don't, I don't agree with it, but I respect it. Something about, you know, the right to protest, you do your thing. The police let people in. Now, imagine you're at a federally permitted rally, which it was, not the riot, other side of the building. And the cops open the doors and start waving people in. And you're sitting there and you're taking pictures and you're like, oh, wow, look, we're going into the Capitol building. Normally, you're allowed to. You just walk in. So, how were any of these people supposed to know they were committing a crime when the cops opened the door for them, let them in, and gave some of them guided tours? There's video of the police taking selfies with people. Huh. How about that? The media falsely depicts the January six riot as a, a as a, uh, I'm sorry, the peaceful gathering as a January six riot. They are conflating the two. Tucker Carlson wasn't talking about the riot. They're lying. In his segment, he explicitly says you can see people committing vandalism. We all know we've seen the video footage. He doesn't falsely be- depict the January six riot as a peaceful gathering. He makes the same distinction that I'm making. That there were many confused people had no idea what was happening on the other side of the building
2: recession and inflation are here gas housing and everyday goods are up way up
0: Lying for NBC News says Fox News host Tucker Carlson on Monday released security video from the January 6th attack using footage provided to him exclusively. Carlson acquired the tapes as part of a deal for McCarthy to win the Speaker's Gavel. When McCarthy was struggling to gather the votes in the house, blah blah blah, 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 blah. In the two months since McCarthy won the gavel, okay, you see how they don't actually get to the point until way later on, he continued, he continued. Video that Carlson didn't air shows police and writers engaged in hours of violent combat. Nearly 1,000 people have been charged in connection with the Capitol attack. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. You see the lie, the lie, the lie, the lie. The people who have been charged in connection is exactly what Tucker Carlson is highlighting. Some of these people were let in by the police. And Chansley, who's sitting in jail right now, is shown being given a guided tour by officers who at any point— Could have simply taken him by the wrist and said, sir, we are removing you from the premises or you are under arrest. I wonder why they didn't do it. Why didn't they do it? Why is it that many police officers were physically fighting people, but then the nonviolent people were given a guided tour? Answer me that, NBC, Schiff, Cheney, Kinzinger. Why is it that in one portion where the violence is occurring, the cops are fighting tear gas Battling people. On the other side, they open the door and let people walk on in, confused and not having an idea what was going on. It's almost like it was all on purpose. All on purpose. The Hodge Twin said, Tucker just started dropping J6 footage. It shows Capitol Police escorting the shaman through the Capitol. Our corrupt DOJ threw him in prison for five years over this. He should be immediately released, agreed. Shipwrecked crew on Twitter. I'm not familiar with, but I saw this tweet, so I decided to uh, retweet it. They say that they're a, an attorney and a, uh, a defend, uh, defendant for the, uh, I'm sorry, January six uh, attorney for the January 6th defendants. I got it. He says, my client, Jake Chansley, was a big part of Tucker's first big rollout. There is a story beyond just the fact the government had video of Jake's attorneys never looked at. Jake is said to be released from custody soon. He's going to tell his story. But Jake has also committed himself to helping him raise money for more J6 defendants. He says, uh, well, that's that's, you know, that's about it. I think that's important to note he's going to be getting out soon. And and, and there he is. Uh, We have more here. Clay Travis highlights Tucker Carlson exposing many of the January 6 lies.
1: Here's footage. I think you all need to see. First, they told the country that Officer Sicknick was murdered with a fire extinguisher. Officer Brian Sicknick died after being hit in the head with a fire extinguisher during the fight. That story came from The New York Times, which is effectively the assignment editor for most of the rest of American media. It was a lie, untrue in any way. But only after that lie had hardened into conventional wisdom, did the newspaper bother to retract it.
2: The New York Times has quietly retracted its story about the death of Capitol Police Officer Brian Sicknick.
1: The damage had been done. Brian Sicknick himself, a Trump voter, had been transformed without his consent into a political martyr of the left. His memory was shamelessly exploited by the incoming Biden administration. Sicknick is someone walking in the Capitol. That is a lie. Here is surveillance footage of Sicknick walking in the Capitol after he was supposedly murdered by the mob outside. By all appearances, Sicknick is healthy and vigorous. He's wearing a helmet, so it's hard to imagine he was killed by a head injury. Whatever happened to Brian Sicknick was very obviously not the result of violence he suffered at the entrance to the Capitol. This tape overturns the single most powerful and politically useful lie the Democrats have told us about January 6th.
0: And you ready for this one? Yeah. What? Uh, let me see if I have it. Here we go. From Viva Fry. What did What did Joe Biden say?
1: But Brian Sicknick should not be reduced to a prop for the political ambitions of the Democratic Party. He was a human being. The facts of his life.
2: And several police officers in the meantime. And several police
0: officers in the meantime.
1: But Brian Sicknick should
0: Joe Biden. I think I actually had it in the other clip. I, I want to I make sure I get this one. Joe Biden says that. Where is this portion at several? There poli- we go. Here we go. We got it.
1: Here's Joe Biden
2: breaking down the doors, trying to overturn an outcome of election and killing several police officers in the meantime. But Brian- these people
0: are evil. You know, if you watch Tim cast IRL, and I'll say this. My birthday's on Thursday. If you want to get me something for my birthday, you can become a member at TimCast.com to support my work and the work we do here at TimCast and everybody else. And, uh, you know, Ian just doesn't want to call people evil. But this is Joe Biden lying to the American people saying that Trump supporters killed several police officers. It never happened. Here we go. Joe Walsh, who is also evil because he's lying. He lies all the time, says what we know. Tucker Carlson is lying about January 6th. His audience will believe his lies. Other right-wing talkers will spread his lies. 40% or so of Americans will doubt the truth of January 6th. The divide in America will harden. There will be more violence. Well, I think he's right about the last few, uh, few parts, unfortunately. But um, Joe Walsh is a sophist and a manipulative individual, a liar. I think, I think you watching this, you already know he's lying. The... Argument from the corporate press and people like Walsh is that the whole thing was a violent riot. But we know that's not true because we have video footage of people being let in the building on the other side. So where's the nuance? If you listen to a show like Tucker Carlson, if you listen to a show like mine, you'll know that there is nuance here. There was violence. There were very bad people. And there are people that we want to see brought to justice. And then there are bumbling dotards and people like Jake Chansley who are confused and walking around saying thank you to the police for letting them in. Should they be charged as insurrectionists and lied about? Well, of course not. Anybody who walked in confused or was welcomed in by the cops they didn't do anything wrong. The violent rioters did. Now, how come these people won't explain the nuance? How come they won't tell you what really happened on that day? And that's all you need to know. They are unwilling to be honest with you. And the problem is people like Joe Walsh know that his followers will believe his lies without question. They won't watch Tucker Carlson to see the truth. Because the truth is, Tucker Carlson showed the riot footage first, and he said, we've all seen it, we all know it happened, and there were people who were violent, committing vandalism, and attacking cops. But there were others. Now, why isn't that others part included in the narrative of these people? Because they are evil. And let me explain what I mean by Evil. The other day, I asked Ian on Timcast IRL if he thought that, you know, I said the Democrats were evil. And he said, I don't know about that. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that. And I said, they had evidence, the January 6th committee, that Jacob Chansley, who has been locked up for years, is innocent. And they withheld that evidence for political power. What else could you define as evil? If not that. And Ian said, I don't know, maybe killing an animal for, for fun. And I said, OK. What if someone paid you to kill an animal so they could watch with pleasure? Would that be evil? They said, yeah. And I said, OK, what if you tortured the animal because it then gave you political power in some way? Yes, to empower yourself through the suffering of others. OK, what if you withheld evidence that would exonerate a man so that you could gain political power for yourself, putting this man in solitary, putting other people in what is effectively torture? Isn't that evil? People like Joe Walsh are evil. Now, Walsh may be the banality of evil in that he's just a really dumb guy who doesn't know, but I really doubt it. These are higher level people. You can call them midwits. You can call them, uh, uh, I don't know, high wits, whatever you want to call them. These are not stupid individuals. They at least have some func- uh, capabilities about them. I believe Joe Walsh is completely capable of watching Tucker Carl's segment and seeing the nuance presented. I believe that Joe Walsh completely understands that there have been more than there's more than one individual who was acquitted by a judge because evidence shows they were let in the building. One man said, I didn't do anything wrong. The cops let me in. They played a video for a judge where the cops are waving people in. And the judge said, you're right. The police opened the door and waved Jan in. You broke no laws. You committed no crime. Have a nice day, sir. One guy got several of those charges dismissed, but not all of his charges, because the judge was like, "Okay, well, hold on there a minute. You are right. They let you in. But you did do some other stuff. We have seen the nuance in the news, and and we know. But if you follow Joe Walsh, he is attempting to lie to you for political gain. I think this stuff is evil. Beaver Fry says, and that lie is still up on The New York Times website. Behind a paywall now, of course, but don't worry, they are responsible. Credible journalists posted an update. Let me Actually, let me pull up the archive that uh, Viva Fry has posted, and then you can see. This is from the date, is uh, April 2021. He dreamed of being a police officer, then was killed by a pro-Trump mob. The death of Brian Sicknick, a military veteran and experienced capital officer, amplified the tragedy, blah, blah, blah. He was not. The headline's fake. Completely fake. Update: New information has emerged regarding the death of Capitol Police Officer Brian Sicknick that questions the initial cause of death. Strange. How could it? How could it be? And so that's that. That appears to be uh, that appears to be the latest. Let me see if I can pull up today's version of it. Uh, yeah, there it is. As of today, the New York Times still has the false headline, and of course they have this update note. But they still run the story. People will still see it. They'll still believe it. And people like Joe Walsh will spread these lies because they are evil. Because it's a cult. Because they want, because they believe they are better than you. That's really it. I believe in decentralization of power. I believe there needs to be a weak nucleus that has some kind of central authority, but weak. And then there needs to be a decentralization of the distributions of power and the wielding of such power. These people believe in the centralization of that power because you're stupid. That's why they talk. Well, that's why they sterilize kids. It's why they abort babies. Too many of you. Now, don't get me wrong, man. Seeing all these TikTok young people with their goofy hair, morbid obesity, sterilization surgeries, I can understand why they feel that way. But it's a it's it's a product of their own creation. They are making people like this, and for what purpose? I don't know. I don't know. I do think. There are too many people. I personally do. I think the issue is with too many people. Let me let me clarify all of this. Too many people in the sense that we have too many people who don't do anything and are encouraged to do nothing. I don't believe there's an upper limit to the amount of people that should exist. I believe there should be hundreds of billions of people. Just not on this planet. Now, how do we colonize other planets and how do we expand human civilization and have more people? I think more people is a good thing so long as we're expanding and colonizing the stars. How do we do it? Strong culture, strong traditional morals. I'm not saying like Gilead-type nonsense. I'm saying we work together, we advance technology, we believe in hard work and meritocracy, and then we start traveling those stars. These people seem to believe the best path forward is a culling and to have a natural selection-type process, and so they intentionally craft people into develop me developmentally stunted people who are incapable of critical thought they lie to you to manipulate you for power so they can get what they want and the people like joe walsh they want money they want food they want gluttony it is a corruption of humanity well there's certainly more to come i'd imagine in terms of these videos so we will wait and see but for the time being i think i think any sane and rational person would agree with video showing the shaman being escorted through the building, through lines of police, with the police opening doors for him. He did nothing wrong. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then. New aerial footage has been released of the terror attack on the Georgia Police Training Center, and it's, it's quite shocking. In the video, you can see a massive horde, of far left extremists, black clad, breaking onto this property where they begin to conduct a terror campaign, throwing bricks at cops, explosives, firebombs, setting fire to construction equipment, vehicles, etc. I've seen a lot in my day, and I talked about this the other day, but this is the worst I've ever seen. And a lot of people have said, yes, but don't forget about the weather underground, Tim. Remember the weather underground? And they they were bombing stuff. Yeah, I want to lie for that, so maybe, you know, I, I'm, I'm a, I'm a youngin compared to those who experience the Weather Underground stuff, but I've never seen anything like this, and I think this is probably worse. Granted, you know, we had one cop shot. One of the terrorists was killed by the police, but what's worrying here is the corporate press running defense for these people. I mean, look at this image. This is crazy. Look at all of these people. This was an attack, and now we're learning that the Southern Poverty Law Center is defending one of the domestic terrorists who was there on the ground. Now, here's what they're going to try and do. They're going to try. It was 150 Antifa that attacked. Okay, this is not a protest or a demonstration. It was a terror attack. And the Southern Poverty Law Center wants to defend their lawyer saying, he's just
2: an observer, an, an observer. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
0: I wonder, I wonder. This observer who worked for the Southern Poverty Law Center was there in a defensive capacity. So when the uh, police in New York City send out their TARU units, these are, these are cops that have cameras and film things. They're just there as observers. They're, they're, they're not there as police, right? They're not participants. They're not employed by the, by, uh, they're, not, they're not in any way associated with the actions the police are engaged in. Of course not. That's absurd. Every activist will tell you that when the police legal observers and when the police videographers come out, they are working at the behest and for the protection and defense of the NYPD. So now they'll want to claim, no, no, this lawyer was just there uh, observing for legal reasons. When you when, when, when an insurgent force attacks a government institution and facility, and burns it to the ground. And along with them are people of various function, notably their lawyers, who are there to defend them. Do we just say, no, 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 they're not involved in any way? Or do we say they're an apparatus of the attack? See, look, if this was a protest and there were people standing in the street, I'll explain it for you. The legal observers come out and they watch the protests. And the protesters are in the street and they get arrested for obstructing a roadway. The legal observers tend not to obstruct the roadways. They stand off to the side, breaking no laws, committing no crimes. Then when the police make the arrests, the observers, who are lawyers, can give statements saying, here's what I saw happen. This is different. This is breaking into a government facility, granted under construction, and watching as your associates destroy it. And then you say I'm just here to legally defend them when they get arrested? No, it doesn't work that way. You have actively committed the crime along with them. Now maybe this lawyer wasn't throwing the fire bombs, that's fine. We saw a couple of lawyers in New York actually do that. But they are there to aid and abet a terrorist attack. You know, there's a lot to be said. I got this story that I want to talk about later. A Daily Wire employee Quitting, because Matt Walsh was too mean, too mean. And this is why the right loses. But but I'll explain that in the later segment. I just want to say, when you have the far left engaging in terroristic tactics, and then you and the like the the, the media, I should say you as in the corporate press, keep defending this. It's, like, it's a demonstration. No, call it what it is: <clears throat> terrorist insurgency. New footage, shocking aerial footage. So here we have among those charged, an attorney for the hard left Southern Poverty Law Center. Astonishingly, astonishingly, the SPLC has claimed the arrests which followed the outrageous violence were heavy handed. Amazing. Let's let's play some of this uh, video footage. You can see it for yourself. Look at this horde. This mob. A terrorist insurgency. Black clad. Armed with lethal weapons. Now, okay. I don't know if any of them had guns. Maybe they did. Maybe they didn't. But they have explosives and firebombs and bricks. The firebombs, that's lethal force and some of the most brutal lethal force, to be completely honest. Now, where we're going with this. I have a lot of people who say there will not, there cannot, there should not be a civil war. Look, there should not be a civil war. It means China wins if the U.S. breaks apart. But I don't know if we have a choice. I don't know if choice is, a, is, is a, a matter to be discussed. We can certainly talk about the choice to try and resist. But come on. I don't know how we've come to this point, And there are people telling me I'm wrong or crazy to suggest this. When my initial basis for why I feel a civil war is possible, and there is a potential for it, it's based on national security advisors who gave witness, who who gave interviews, to corporate press, and it's based on former CIA, it's based on a Princeton professor all saying the same thing. We are in it. Now, in 2018, five years ago, when I said the violence that we saw five years ago, the violence that we saw in the streets could be the precursor to a civil war, I had all of these conservatives saying, oh, shut up, anti-fun the Proud Boys. No, it's not And I said, what about when the ideological split makes its way to the highest levels of government? And they said it won't happen. The national security state is too strong. But here we are. Elon Musk calls out J6 committee for withholding evidence for partisan political reasons after Tucker Carlson revelations. That's right. You saw the segment earlier that I did. Maybe you didn't. Or you saw Tucker's definitive proof that the shaman, the Q shaman they called him, Jake Chansley, is innocent. He is walking peacefully through the Capitol building with a police escort. As police officers, not only do they not try to stop him, they actively assist. They try to open doors for him. Hope they're locked. Come this way. Then they find an open door to which he says, thank you, officers, for letting us in. Really? I didn't know it was illegal to be let into a building by police and given a guided tour and escort. But you see, this is the point. The partisan split has made it from the streets to the federal government and then some. And the Democrats are willing to withhold evidence that would exonerate an innocent man if it empowers them. So tell me now, as we see 150 far left extremists Some from France, Canada, one, a lawyer for the Southern Poverty Law Center engaging in direct terrorism. At a certain point, terrorism becomes civil war. You had in Syria Bashar al-Assad saying these aren't protesters, they're terrorists. I am not saying that we should or shouldn't be using terminology in this context. What I'm saying is you have one faction, you have another faction. One group rises up and gets violent and starts burning things, blowing things up, throwing explosives. Then you have another faction respond saying it's terrorism. And where did that lead us in Syria? Outright civil war. Now, of course, the big question is who's going to get the support from foreign entities? Russian pundits were talking on uh, one of their Russian TV shows, and they said the real question is not whether a civil war will happen in the U.S., it's which side do we fund and arm? Yep. That's where I believe we are headed. Now, some people still don't believe it. They want to act like it won't happen. It can't happen. We've, even, we've even, even had Sarah Silverman calling for a national divorce of some sort. Celebrities are entertaining it. Marjorie Taylor Greene, February 22nd. Insider says MTG defends her call to split up the U.S. by saying the country is moving towards another civil war. We have to do something about it. Well, actually, I understand the sentiment. I think we are headed towards a civil war, but splitting up the U.S. is what would cause it. You see, the first civil war, states seceded. The Union said no. War broke out. The thing is, civil war typically, as we know it, was when two factions or more fight for control of a centralized governing authority. And then in the U.S., something different happened. The country was splitting in half. that's not a civil war. That's more like a revolution or a secessionist war. The South didn't want control of D.C. They could have taken it. I think it was the first battle of bull run. The Confederates stopped at D.C. and said, we are not aggressing upon you. We're leaving. And they could have stormed into D.C. and seized the seats of power. The Confederacy, had they done that, would have won the war, potentially. Okay, I'm not going to pretend I'm not a scholar on this, but I've watched several documentaries and read a few academic papers. In my limited understanding, it seems the Confederacy had a great opportunity to win the war outright, but they did not want the world or the North to see them as aggressors. They simply wanted to go their own way. But the North said no. Ultimately, the South was defeated. The North had better aid, uh, international aid, and they had better weapons. In fact, I think the Battle of Gettysburg, which was really interesting, the Confederates were using muzzle-loaded, rifled muskets, and the Union— They were using breech-loading rifles. A breech-loading rifle breaks at the top, break action, and they would push a cartridge in the back, close it, put a percussion cap on it, bang, fire, pop it open, do the same thing. They could reload much faster than the Confederates, who were putting the ball in powder and then stuffing it down the front. That gave them a huge advantage. But if the Confederates just went into D.C. right away, it was over. Now, as for civil war, I think something that y'all need to understand, which we talked about last night on Timcast IRL, but we'll give you the monologue here. The Spanish Civil War, I think, makes more sense. And maybe that's the track we're following. Maybe it won't be until 1936. I'm I'm sorry, 2036. The Spanish Civil War from 1936 to 1939. Hear this, my friends. It's important. They say it was a civil war in Spain. Between fought between the Republicans and the Nationalists. Republicans were loyal to the left-leaning popular front of the Second Spanish Republic and consisted of various socialists, communists, separatists, anarchists, and Republican parties, some of which had opposed the, the government in the pre-war period. The opposing nationalists were an alliance of phalangists, monarchists, conservatives, and traditionalists led by a military junta among whom General Francisco Franco quickly achieved a predominant role. Due to the international political climate at the time, the war had many facets and was variously viewed as a class struggle, a religious struggle, a struggle between dictatorship and Republican democracy, between revolution and counter-revolution, and between fascism and communism. Sound familiar? Sounds a whole lot like what's going on right now. Now, in the end, the nationalists won the war, ended in 1939, and they ruled Spain until Franco's death in November of 1975. They say the war began after the partial failure of the coup d'etat of July 1936 against the Republican government by a group of generals of the Spanish Republican Armed Forces, with General Emilio Mola as the primary planner and leader and having General José Sanjurjo, or is it Sanjuro? I can't pronounce it, I don't know, as a figurehead the government at the time was a coalition of Republicans supported in the Cortes by communist and socialist parties under the leadership of the center-left President Manuel Anzana. The nationalist group was supported by a number of conservative groups, including CEDA, monarchists, including both the opposing Alfonsists and the religious conservative Carlists, and the Falange Española de las JONS, a fascist political party. After the death of San Giorgio, San Giorgio, I don't know, Emilio Mola, and Manuel goaded uh Lapis, I don't know. Francisco uh, I'm sorry, Franco emerged as the remaining leader on the nationalist side. Here's what you need to consider. It is 2023. It was 1936 when all that went down in Spain. Not a hundred years. Maybe what we're seeing will not come to this level of conflict until 2036. That's 13 years. I want you to understand one thing. Well, more than one thing, but let me just say this. A child who was 10 years old in 2016 will be voting in next year's election. Do you understand what that means? The 10-year-old who saw on the TV all of the lies and the screaming of Trump, whose parents shook them by the shoulders, they lived it. They are embodiments of it. And when they're older, their parents are going to say, I warned you about this and now you're 18. I can't believe you have to live through it all over again. And they're going to vote against Trump. They're going to vote for socialism and for communism. We are seeing it expand and emerge. I take a look at stocks sometimes and uh, I bought some Tesla stock. I pay attention to the news, Okay, I do. And I was talking about this. It's kind of dumb of me to see a story in the news to know what's going to happen and then not buy stock. Now, I'm not going to buy stock in bad companies, but I saw Tesla stock dip. I read the news all day, every day, so I know quite a bit about why the stock was perceivably dipping and why it was probably going to go up. And I thought to myself, maybe for once I should buy some stock because I'm watching and reading all this. So I did. I bought a bunch of Tesla and I made a lot of money. Hey, how about that? The point is, I'm looking at the news and I can see they're claiming that Elon is a potty mouth stock drops. They say that Tesla's performance actually ain't all that bad. It's just that Elon won't shut up. And I'm like, okay, well, that sounds to me like the press is damaging Tesla stock. But the moment some report comes out showing Tesla's doing well, you're going to see a major bump in that stock. Or at the very least, it was artificially low. I don't know what ended up happening. All I know is, Based on the news that I read, it seemed like it was going to rebound. And this was the dip. So I said, all right, I'll buy a bunch. And then sure enough, it like doubled, doubled in price. Here's what I see now. I see human beings. It's been over seven years. It's been eight years since they've been screaming nonsense lies. And they say that every cell in your body gets replaced every seven years
2: In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
0: Ship of Theseus, as it were. This means that there are people who live, whose whole body is composed of cells built upon lies during this period. There are children who are 10 years old, when Donald Trump was running for office, in fact, they were some of them maybe may have been eight or nine. Trump then gets elected at the end of 2016. The end. Think about the range of children who will be voting in 2024. How about that? That's crazy, isn't it? Now think about all the 13, 14, 15, 16, 17-year-olds who didn't vote for Trump the first time. How many of them voted for Biden in 2020? Vosh, for instance. The socialist YouTuber said he was too young to remember any of what Joe Biden did. You see, this is how it goes. You have a young generation. They don't know what Joe Biden was all about. They don't know what Democrats are all about. All they know is what they're told. This is why they're going to schools and indoctrinating children. So in 2024, there will be a primary. The media will be more insane than you've ever seen. The violence will escalate. To such a degree, you will be shocked. And then I think after Trump wins, he might not, he might not understand that while Joe Biden got a lot of votes and a lot of people don't believe it, it was through ballot harvesting. Trump did also gain 12 million, I think 12 or about 12 million new voters. There are going to be a lot of older people who look at what Joe Biden has done to this country and they say no. No. There will be many young people who will vote for Democrats, but they're probably not going to be in large enough numbers. Just understand there will be a faction of children who grew up on the extremism of the far left who are then shocked to find the fascists won and it's going to be like Spain or Nazi Germany or Italy or whatever. It's not, but that's what they'll say. Then they fight. Angry young people being told it's the apocalypse. They fight. Maybe not in 2024. Maybe it will not be until... 2036 but take a look at this map spanish civil war july 1936 to october 1937 international boundaries populated places republicans and nationalists and it's not a very good map i can't find one that's a large uh, uh resolution but you can clearly see it doesn't make sense look in this first map you've got this area up here in the north it's this huge chunk of land separated and control, controlled by the nationalists Then you've got a tiny spot down here controlled by nationalists. It's all broken apart. Then you look over here, and you can see that the nationalists gained territory and split a bunch of areas in half. It doesn't quite make sense, none of it. The nationalists slowly gained more control of the country. I think it ultimately does make sense. Socialists and communists are not going to be good fighters. The conservatives are more likely to be, and then they won. I suppose that wasn't the case in the Soviet Union or China, unfortunately for them. That may be the reality that we face here because we don't have a strong military culture. With these European countries, you had militaristic leaders, and they pushed back. In Russia and China, you didn't. They all bent the knee, and they just gave in. They didn't want to fight. I think the U.S. is heading in that direction. We'll see. The reason I show you this map is because all of these people come out saying there can't be a civil war. The, uh, look, look at all the states and, and areas. are all divided. It doesn't make sense because they've never actually seen a real civil war and they don't study history. History will show you that most civil wars are not easily divided lines. This idea that Illinois as a state can maintain its jurisdictional boundaries. West Virginia split off from Virginia in the first so in the in the U.S. Uh, first in the American Civil War. Here's what's possible. If war were to break out, the New York metro, which includes Jersey, which includes Connecticut, will probably become a a centralized jurisdiction. The people who live there may still treat its boundaries as such, but outside, the the, the jurisdictional boundaries of states will be meaningless. I mean, they already mostly are, to be honest. But in the rural areas of Connecticut and New York, these people are not going to be in line with socialists or communists. Thus, the boundaries of this country will rapidly transform, and states will become meaningless. Chicago up to Milwaukee will become one complete left-leaning jurisdiction, but Southern Illinois is Republican. I don't know exactly where the lines will be drawn. This is a much bigger country than Spain. I suppose we'll see. Maybe nothing will happen. Maybe I'm wrong about it all. Certainly hope so. But what do you think is going to happen when people who are 10 years old watching the Trump stuff go down vote in 2024? You tell me comment. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 4 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see y'all then. Matt Walsh is just too mean. Too mean. Following Matt Walsh's statements about Dylan Mulvaney, there was a backlash with many classical liberals and politically homeless people being like, whoa, whoa, whoa. We don't call people eerie, unearthly, weird. That's a step too far. Matt Walsh could get his point across without being so mean. However, uh, I was actually convinced, probably not convinced to go as far as Matt Walsh may, maybe sometimes even go a little bit further, but Matt Walsh made a really good point. And it's that we need to take away an accepting space for bad people. Now we're seeing a backlash from it. An employee of the Daily Wire is resigning because Matt Walsh was too mean. Christina Buttons wrote an article for Reality's Last Stand. That's the I believe it's Colin Wright's uh, um, Substack. Why I'm leaving the Daily Wire. There's a critical distinction between speaking truth and being tactless, between sticking to the facts and sticking it to the libs. I believe Christina Buttons is incorrect in her assessment of the culture war. Uh, don't really know Christina all that too uh, all, all too much. Hear good things about her, and I can respect wanting to pass off an olive branch to uh, moderates and politically homeless individuals to convince them to join us in the fight against wokeness, the woke cult, etc. However, Matt Walsh, in my opinion, was not saying to be mean to everyone. He was saying to call out the bad people, the evil, those who would seek to corrupt and spread destruction. There's a big difference between being mean to your average, say, trans person and being mean to a person who is seeking to exploit, corrupt, and destroy. But, Before I explain why I believe Matt Walsh is actually mostly correct, let me show you what Christina Buttons has to say, and we'll get into this scandal with The Daily Wire, although I don't really think it's a scandal. It's just an employee quitting. Why I'm leaving The Daily Wire, writes Christina Buttons. After much consideration, I am tendering my resignation from The Daily Wire, the publication to which I dedicated my time and passion as an investigative reporter for the last six months. My interest in the transgender debate became all-consuming. When I realized that so many of our trusted institutions, the mainstream media, government, academia, civil rights and gay rights organizations, big tech and the medical establishment were misled on this issue and were misleading the public in turn. As a pro-choice atheist who has consistently voted Democrat throughout my adult life, this realization, as I've written, was nothing short of world rocking. And you see right there. This is why I want to talk to you about this. Christina, I believe you are incorrect. I do not believe that they were misled. I believe that they are intentionally misleading the public, hands down. I know this because of uh, through experience. You see, I went the route of let's be nice and just try to inform. And what did they do? They lied about my stance on the issue, resulting in swattings and death threats and bomb threats. People leaving harassing messages and sending emails about things I never said. And I thought to myself, how strange this polite approach saying things like, You know, I have no issue with anybody who wants to live their life. We live and let live. But these pedophiles, they're seeping in and we need to make sure they don't corrupt. So what did they do? They lied and claimed that I and people like James Lindsay were directly attacking all trans people. That's so, so weird. It's so weird. It made no sense. We have trans people on the show who hang out here. I've done shows. uh, I've gone to events where there are conservative drag queens. I have even offered to put on, for Cenk Uygur of the Young Turks, a tremendous drag show with free food and drinks, 21 and up only, of course. <laughs> it's going to be drag there. You don't want kids coming to that, right? They don't take me up on the offer. I have no problem with drag. Drag's funny. People want to do uh, these shows. They can live how they want to live. If for some reason they kept lying about everything I was saying, hey, they weren't being misled. They are lying on purpose. Now, I don't necessarily blame the average individual who reads the fake news and is tricked, which is why I understand why you don't want to be too mean, but understand that you cannot win this space by constantly deferring to them for which they then lie. You got to call them out. You got to take that space from them. You got to build culture. Let me read more. When the documentary What is a Woman was released in 2022, I thought it was a brilliant commentary on the state of our culture. Matt Walsh didn't insult his interviewees, but instead let them embarrass themselves. So he says, even my pa- liberal parents loved the movie. I completely agree. I think it was a cultural force, one of the most powerful things Daily Wire's ever done. So when the Daily Wire approached me with the opportunity to write exclusively on transgender issues with an emphasis on pediatric gender medicine, I accepted. There were difficulties working for a decidedly conservative news and media corporation, which I anticipated. For instance, health professionals would not talk to me much less go on the record, because of their suspicion of right-wing media. Hey, that's weird, but aren't you being nice to them? Aren't you saying, let me be nice? For some reason, they won't talk to you? It's almost like they're lying, and their ideas can't stand up to scrutiny. But I pushed through these inconveniences because I felt that much of the criticism directed at the Daily Wire staff was misguided. (laughs) Misguided. Ah, yes, yes, misguided. Misguided. I remember the first time someone threatened to throw a brick at my face because I asked a simple question. And I said, simply misguided. Then I realized, oh, wait a minute, they're evil. I remember when I was filming outside during Occupy Wall Street, and I had them come to me and say, only film police, never film us. And I said, why? I don't understand. Don't we want to inform the public as to everything that's going on? No, we want to win. Don't film us. And I said, F you, I will film it all because they're evil. They want power. And they want people to give them power. And they know they're evil. They know they lie. Not every single person. Let's read more. Their, their position on transgender issues was uh, was sufficiently nuanced and their editorial standards were and remain high. As, uh, referring to the Daily Wire. I was told the Daily Wire's stance was that adults could live their lives, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But recent videos and posts have weakened my confidence in their commitment to this message. On Valentine's Day, Matt Walsh did a segment on his show about transgender influencer Dylan Mulvaney who has now been viewed, that has now been viewed by millions. You are weird and artificial. You are manufactured and lifeless. You're unearthly and eerie. You are some kind of human deepfake. Everyone who looks at you will see something pit, pitiable and bizarre. Walsh has defended these statements as good strategy because he says they rallied the conservative base. He adds the goal is not to convince the other side, but to defeat, humiliate, and demoralize his opponents. Mitt Walsh is correct. This triggered a race to the bottom. With other social media personas one-upping each other to see who can take more extreme stances. Now, I certainly said Matt Walsh has convinced me to be meaner. But it's only because I had already expressed that this idea is somewhat correct. In that, what the left seeks to do is use violence, threats, and humiliation to gain political power. It works. They have been insulting people on TV forever. They have been firebombing private businesses and smashing windows. They have mercilessly beaten journalists like Andy No on more than one occasion. And the best thing that the right has to offer is, I'm going to be a little bit condescending and mean to these people. And what do you get? Christina, I believe you are incorrect. Christina, you come out and say, no, 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 we can't do this. We can't do this. We must sit idly by as they engage in overt acts of terror, violence, threats, vandalism, bricks in the face, firebombs. And we mustn't counter in any way in terms of the culture war. Here's my view. We want to dominate culture. The Daily Wire is doing a very good job of it. They're expanding and they're gaining lots of views. This is showing young people a path of success in in policy and online is not with the left. You will get more views
2: Well, there
0: you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Worse still, if you try and do these things, you will be made fun of. Oof, that doesn't feel good, does it? Everyone laughing at you? Matt Walsh isn't making fun of Blair White. Matt Walsh isn't making fun of run-of-the-mill trans people. He's making fun of Dylan Mulvaney specifically, an individual who mocks trans people and women. Hiking heels in the woods? Come on. Christina writes, there are transsexuals who are not ideologues, who know they cannot literally identify out of their sex, and who believe that medical transition is a choice for adults, not children. I count some of them as my friends. They're trying to educate the public, et cetera, et cetera. Matt Walsh's rhetoric coincided with a sudden deluge of animus towards transsexuals like my friend Blair White simply for being transsexual. However, Matt Walsh was talking specifically about Dylan Mulvaney. I don't see Blair White putting on heels and prancing about the forest and falling over or running around handing tampons to women. Blair White, I think, is fantastic and has done uh, Timcast IRL on numerous occasions and even appeared in our Cast Castle series doing funny jokes. Talking about these issues, being a real person, being relatable, and we understand. And we're friends with Blair. Blair's awesome. I know Blair is also our uh, go-to trans person that we're all friends with. Whenever the issue comes up, everybody's always like, Blair, Blair, token trans person. We also had on uh, uh, several others. And there are uh, other individuals, like a a drag queen who went to CPAC. Uh, I forgot the drag queen's name. Dragon and trans are two different things, mind you. My point is this. If there are people like Dylan Mulvaney who are, I, I do not believe, are trans and are seeking to corrupt and exploit for personal gain. I think calling them names, calling them out, insulting them, humiliating them is not the worst possible thing in the world and may very well be effective in certain circumstances. In that, many people are going to go on TikTok, young people. They're going to see Dylan Mulvaney, who I do not believe is a trans person. I believe is a performance artist who is mocking trans people. And then they'll say, this is how we do it. Look at all the millions of views. Here's the problem with it. To the real trans people who are actually trying to just get by and not be attacked or anything. It is Dylan Mulvaney, not Matt Walsh, that is causing the problems. Matt Walsh is saying, you are eerie, people will look at you with pity. Young people, however, will say that's the path towards success. And then you have actual trans people. Now there's going to be someone who looks at Dylan Mulvaney and believes that represents a trans person. It does not Dylan Mulvaney handing out tampons and bathrooms to women and wearing high heels in the woods is insulting trans people and women. I believe Dylan Mulvaney is a narcissist who wants fame and found fame in this path. Now, some people say, oh, that's ridiculous. Nobody would fake being trans in order to get followers or whatever. Madonna just got plastic surgery Celebrities get surgery on their faces all the time, changing who they are and their appearances, getting hair plugs and toupees to be someone they are not for fame, for money, for power. Why wouldn't Dylan Mulvaney do that? Why not? I mean, Hollywood is nothing but plastic surgery. People's faces look completely different. Some are really weird looking. And so you think that it's different now? Spare me. I don't. Christina goes on to say, many left-wing media outlets deliberately misinterpreted Knowles' claim that transgenderism should be eradicated from public life entirely as a call to, uh, for eradicating transgender people, and many later corrected their headlines to accurately reflect the quote. A generous interpretation of Knowles' statement is that he wishes to eradicate gender ideology. Now, I, I think what Matt Walsh is saying is that he wants trans people to not go out in public. He wants there to be no public perception. It's a, it's a bit of middle. He's not saying kill anybody. He's saying, don't let it be publicly or socially acceptable. That is, trans people will be allowed to walk around and do whatever they want, but they won't be on TV, they won't be in movies, and people will always be like, yeah, whatever. The difference now is you have people like Dylan Mulvaney pretending, in my opinion, to be trans for followers. The political right often rails against identity politics and group labels, yet many fail to distinguish between trans people and trans activists. This is not uh, immaterial, in my opinion, because we make that argument all the time here at TimCast. An important lesson we've learned from the growing number of detransitioners is that trans identities are not always fixed. Being trans is not innate and biological the same way being gay is. Many are socially influenced to adopt trans identities for a variety of reasons. A number of those who, de- de- who are trans today may detransition tomorrow and they will need our help. Yes, they absolutely will. And Matt Walsh will welcome them with open arms, and he will say, I'm sorry they did this to you. That's what I was fighting against. The reason why I called out people like Dylan Mulvaney is they seek to use algorithmic influence to harm children for personal gain. Now, I'm not saying Dylan Mulvaney is laughing behind the scenes wanting to harm kids. I'm saying they don't care of the collateral damage that they will make in chasing after followers. She goes on to say, "I'm keenly, uh, keenly aware of the distinction between factual reporting and opinion, etc., cetera, etc." Cetera. In light of these concerns, I can no longer, in good faith, maintain my employment with the Daily Wire. There are many wonderful journalists the organization, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. What now? I'm writing a book. Uh, I've illustrated several children's books. Your generous support gives me the opportunity. This is the scandal. I don't think Christina is a bad person. Not at all. Christina is probably a very good person and well-intentioned. Unfortunately, seemingly new to the fight. Inexperienced and naive. I've been doing this for over a decade. It's been quite some time since I've been involved in activism and politics since the 2000s. I've worked for many nonprofits. It has been my entire life for over two decades. How do I get to the place that I am? Did one day I just start making YouTube videos and say, I'm going to talk about all this stuff? No. When I was a kid, I was handed a a, a CD to play, my friend's CD. I wasn't given it. He said, play this music. And I was like, what's this? The Offspring. Whoa. Punk rock music, baby. And then all of a sudden, the classic rock stuff from my family and the hip-hop from my neighborhood got backseat. And I'm listening to Americana by The Offspring. I wouldn't call it any kind of real punk rock. Sorry, Offspring. Uh, it's pop-punk. Fine, whatever. And it's got some good songs in it. The Kids Aren't All Right lamented the tragedy of the, the suburbia collapsing, the kids doing drugs and you know teenage pregnancies and things like that. Then I started listening to more and more of it. Listening to the, this, this music got me uh, uh, more people saying, you should listen to real punk. Then I started listening to other bands. You know, I, I got into bad religion, more skateboarding. There's anti-flag and bands like that. Then against me. And I started listening to all these messages and all this music. And I was like, man, the world is a messed up place. And and they just let, let them get away with it. And so my friends started talking about, you know, getting involved and going to protests. You oppose this, right? I I see the music and I get involved in politics more. Always playing music, always getting involved in the politics, and then eventually finding my way to nonprofits to work directly on solving the problem. And boy, did I learn a lot. You know, these activist organizations, these nonprofits, they were lying to people for money. It was crazy to me. They actually encouraged us to lie. I couldn't believe it. So I leave one organization for another. The next organiza- second night organization I worked for well, weren't so much lying at the time, but it was mismanaged. And it was a weird system. And I decided, you know what, I'm leaving. Worked for uh, a friend, worked for another organization, eventually found an organization that was shorting our paychecks. Hmm, about that. Well, I'm good at math. And so I quickly looked at the paycheck and said the numbers are off. No, 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 you're right. No, 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 don't, don't tell me that I'm wrong. My, I know for a fact. Oh, we're sorry. Came back, fixed the paycheck. Oops. They didn't really. They still shorted us. And I said, I am not stupid. I am good at math. You're shorting our paychecks. I'm not going to warn you again. Long story short, I won a lawsuit. Couldn't believe it. This organization was lying. I thought we were doing good. Went to work for another nonprofit eventually when I was out in L.A. Two of them in the long run. And both of them lied to people. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. And so I said, I'm done with this. And I stopped. And I went to Virginia, hung out with my brother, and then Occupy Wall Street started. I said, that sounds exciting. What's going on there? As always, I was involved in this kind of stuff, and I went and checked it out. One thing leads to another, and then there I am telling people about what's going on. There's a lot more to the story, mind you, but I was deeply involved in politics. I've experienced the lies and the deception and the manipulations from the beginning. And I can tell you now, they're all lying to you. They're not misled. They know what they're doing. I was actually instructed by one nonprofit to lie to people on the street when I challenged the lies. As the story goes, Deepwater Horizon was a catastrophe. They gave us these sheets and said, we want to raise the issue with people and make sure they know what's going on. Go out and talk to them and fundraise. And then I had one guy tell me I was a liar. I read the script. I gave him the facts. And he said, no, that's not true. That's not how much oil is being spilled. It's way less than that. And I was like, uh, and I look at my binder and I'm looking at the notes. I'm like, that's not what it says. He goes, you're lying to people for money. And then I said, look, man, if I'm wrong, I had no idea. I, this is what they told us. And I just, I thought they were, I thought, I thought it was correct. We'll, we'll get it. We'll get it corrected. I'm sorry. And he goes, yeah, yeah, screw off. So I call up the office and say, hey, these facts are wrong. I'm getting yelled at. And they said, mm, don't worry about it. Just keep reading it. No, I'm not going to give bad information to people. I, like, we need to do something about this. And they said, No just keep reading it. I couldn't believe it. Wow. That's, that was the game. They didn't care that they were lying to people. They wanted the money. So when I see these corrupt individuals, I don't think the answer is we must placate them and be nice to them because, oh, they're just misled. No, they're lying on purpose. I've seen it my whole life. They're always lying for power. Now we can see the Democrats and the J6 committee withholding exculpatory evidence to lock a man up. The Q Shaman being escorted by cops. What's the argument? Well, he had already broken in, so the cops said, well, I guess we can only aid and abet him. No, it makes no sense. So leaving the Daily Wire, I think there's probably other reasons somebody might not want, might not want to work at the Daily Wire. My understanding of their environment is that they're very traditional, a traditional media company. The way they have restrictions on certain things, their contracts and all that stuff. You know what? Don't work for them then. That's fine. I think they do tremendous and great work. Jeremy's Chocolates. We ordered $2,000 worth of Jeremy's Chocolate Bars. It's probably just a private label chocolating service. The point is winning the culture war, building culture, supporting cultural endeavors. I view The Daily Wire as a more stodgy corporate entity. But that's fine. Every other media company is too. TimCast is quite not. <laughs> We're a bit crazier. And that means we'll probably be substantially less successful than The Daily Wire. They have been growing at an at an, at an an exponential rate. And they've always been bigger than us. But growing way faster than we do. Ain't nothing I can do about it. I can only just be me and run the company. My birthday's coming up. If you want to give me a birthday present, become a member at TimCast.com. Our membership growth is substantially lower and slower than Daily Wire's. Their business practices work. What they do works. And if in the end, the Daily Wire becomes the new Hollywood with traditional values and meritocracy at its core, we've won. And then we can argue about creativity and independence and all that stuff, fine. But putting aside all of these business arguments, the reality is the Daily Wire does a tremendously powerful job that is good for all of us, and the reality is, Matt Walsh is, I say, mostly correct. I'm not saying there's every circumstance you want to be a jerk to people, but you got to call out the bad people. You have to. And in that capacity, he is right. So, leaving the Daily Wire. Good luck. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at six. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see y'all then. To me, there is a strong indicator of cultural decay in Magic the Gathering. Ah, yes. For those that aren't familiar, it is, or was, the most popular card game. It, I believe, launched. Trading Card Games was the first. So, I could be wrong about this, but I think like shows like Yu-Gi-Oh! are based off of Magic the Gathering, essentially. Magic is a good example of getting woke and going broke, and a system being gutted and decayed by the mechanization, the corporate machine, the sterilization. Let me tell you all the story. We got this news. It's actually um, actually like a week week old or so. A lot of people have talked about it. Magic the Gathering cards worth over two hundred thousand dollars dumped in a landfill. In what may be the worst nightmare of Magic the Gathering collectors and players come to life, a landfill has become the permanent home of cards, packs, and sets valued at over two hundred thousand dollars. Magic the Gathering is owned by Hasbro, I believe. It's I think it's Wizards of the Coast, and then Wizards was bought by Hasbro. And many of you may not be familiar with it. If you're not familiar with the game, just know that I'm going to be speaking generally about cultural decay using Magic the Gathering as a backdrop. The reason I know about this is that uh, I play or played Magic the Gathering and stopped several years ago. And so I want to tell you my story in experiencing the cultural decay. And I want to start by telling you about this story here. How is it that six palettes of one of the most popular card games could just be dumped in a landfill and then destroyed. Some people were saying, two hundred to $300,000 worth of cards? Run over, destroyed? That's like someone throwing away a house.
2: Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell.
0: Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I think the reality is the perceived value of these cards based on the sell price of them Maybe that high. But my friends, I would like to tell you a little story about Get Woke, Go Broke. Several years ago, there was a card shop. They played Magic the Gathering. And in one of the, this little cup on a shelf, I think, and it had a Kekistani flag. Do you all remember what Kekistani flags represent? It was just anti-wokeness. It was a mockery. It was, it was, it was um, sarcasm. But somebody saw it posted it online, and then this shop got cut off. We've been seeing something in Magic the Gathering that we've seen in many other organizations and in many other games and cultural icons, and that is wokeification. I've talked about how The Last of Us, the new show, has, of six episodes, I think there's seven now, a third of the episodes are about gay relationships. It seems kind of like, that's a lot. I mean, look, if you made Ellie, the character in the show, is gay, okay, fine, she has a girlfriend. Like, I don't really care about that. But then you do like two in the span of six episodes and it's like, my guy, that's that's a third of your show just being about gay relationships. Let's have it be about something else, I guess. I mean, it's fine if you want to make a show about that, but a little heavy handed. Magic the Gathering used to depict angels and demons and busty, you know, big tittied women. And it was because they were selling to mostly young guys. All of a sudden then, they started doing new art where the women were frumpy and ugly. It's kind of weird because the men aren't. They don't make guys that are like, you know, there's a, there's a character, Gideon. They don't make Gideon this this frail, gaunt, glasses, you know, guy holding a sword. They make him a big, ripped, chiseled man. And then they make the women frumpy and ugly. <laughs> I don't understand why. If you want to be in fantasy, everybody can be beautiful and everybody can be ugly. Now, to be fair, there are, there are male characters that are big, fat, and gross. Don't get me wrong. But I guess now equality means making ugly women. I saw this story and I had to wonder why it is that hundreds of thousands of dollars of this product was just thrown in the trash. And then I thought about, what have I been doing? Well, I recently bought some magic cards and I put them in a bag and then I kind of forgot about them. I don't really play much at all with anybody anymore. I have several commander decks to style of play that are worth thousands of dollars because when I was younger, I mean, this game was awesome. Lost all my cards when I was like 13 on a train. That sucked. A lot of really valuable stuff in there at a time vault. wonder how much that that's worth today. And uh, a lot of unlimited and revised stuff. But no moxes, no power nine. If you don't understand what that means, let me just say, I didn't lose anything too valuable. I just lost my collection. And then I started to rebuild maybe like, I don't know, 13 years ago or something. And I played more, made some decks. And we used to play kind of all the time. We get up, we, Me and my buddies would get up a poker table. We'd all sit around, we'd order wings, we'd put on a sporting event, and we'd play cards. That was fun. We don't really do that anymore. The game is just busted, corporate, plastic, and woke. Several things happened to the game, as far as I can tell. For me, at least. I don't know about for you. The game became corporate plastic. It was boring. They, they're trying to maximize profits, so they're doing things like Lord of the Rings magic. And I'm like, eh, okay, whatever. I think there could be a new game that can fix a lot of the broken mechanics of it. And they got woke. So the combination of the sterile status, meaning it's, it's, it's no longer exciting and invigorating to see a new set. There's no longer this robust feeling of community when, you know, the set comes out and you, maybe for some people, but not for me, it was gone. And then they started doing the weird wokeness stuff. And I was like, I gotta be honest. I love the game. it's fun. it's a brilliant, it's a brilliant game. It's just boring and uninteresting. It's like, oh look, you got another you know fat, frumpy woman character. It's like, I get it man. There have, some, there have been some things they've done. but the corporatization of it, the sterilization is the reprinting of cards they said they'd never reprint again, the devaluing of certain cards, the over. They just try to make money off the fact that some of these things are worth money. So they'll make a set, they'll charge hundred bucks for it. they'll make like a special thing. Charge a ridiculous amount of money because they know the collectors exist. But I just kind of feel like my collection's at risk with stories like this. Somebody dumped a quarter million dollars in the trash. You know what that means? It means it's not worth a quarter million dollars. It means it's trash. It means it's worth nothing. This is what they have done. The game started, I believe, around 1994. It's been around 30 years. It was a lot of fun for a while, but now it feels plastic and woke corporate garbage. Thus, people throw it in the trash. Now, people are being warned not to go and look for it because, you know, they just plowed over it and destroyed it all. And there are many people who are shocked. Oh, I can't believe it. I think people need to realize something. If someone's willing to dump that much money into a dump, it means it is not worth anything. Maybe this will be the breaking point for the game. Maybe people are going to are going to now realize, like, it's just gone too far. Get woke, go broke. The stories are busted. They've busted the mechanics. They've, they, they've just kind of ruined the game, I guess. Take a look at chess. Chess ain't woke. You got white characters and black characters, and white always goes first. Uh-oh. I know it's not a racial thing. They try to make it a racial thing, though. But the game's not changed since, I think, like the 1500s. You know, I think the, the last rule added to chess was castling. The game's been the same forever, and people enjoy playing it. The issue with Magic is they keep making new things. They keep changing it. They keep trying to find ways to monetize it, to make more money, to just capitalize, capitalize, microtransaction style. And then it just becomes bad. For me, this exemplifies so much of the cultural decay that we've been experiencing. I know you may not know anything about Magic the Gathering, or many, many of you may be superfans. Some of the superfans may disagree and say, no, you know. I went to a comic shop. I was uh, looking to buy a new... Uh, I like to buy a, a box of booster packs when they come out and then just leave them in the wrapper and put them in the closet. Not because I think they'll be, be worth more money at some point in the future. Many of them don't. But because sometimes you want to crack open a box and you have what's called a booster draft with friends. You play a game based off the cards you get. It's fun. Or you, every, everyone gets three packs. They build a deck. You can do a sealed game. It's fun stuff. It's the true skill of the game. Someone constructing a deck and then playing a standard tournament, it's like, yeah, well, you know, everybody plays the same deck, and then there are some, there's some skill involved, the win rate for pros is like 51%. Sealed tournaments are fun, because it's like, you gotta build the deck. Do you really know the mechanics of the game? That's why I wanted to get it. But now nobody really wants to play. People are bored by it, so I buy some. But anyway, I went to a comic shop, and they had a big, uh, like, leftist flag in the window, and I said, this is not a safe place. It's a cult location. Sure enough, you walk in and no one's really even playing the game. I'm like, what is this? Where is the talk of the logic? Where is the challenging? Where's the bluffing, the deception? Nope. It was weird, cult, woke garbage. Okay. Well, if that's what they want it to be, that's fine. And if there are people who enjoy this, and want to spend money on it, I got no beef. I just won't anymore. And that's why I've been out of the game for some time. I got a bunch of commander decks, like I mentioned. It's a style of play, card decks. And they probably have cards that are banned because I haven't kept up with the ban lists anymore because we just don't really care. They have lost us. So I will say this. Get woke, go broke doesn't always mean that there's a boycott or a staunch rejection. It means that you adopt a certain style of uh, distribution of your cards. You adopt weird woke cultness And then core fans lose interest. I have been playing this game since like 1997. I was a little kid. The first booster pack I ever got, I think, was Antiquities. The first deck I ever built was based off a fourth edition, which was, I think, a few years later. And then uh, I played Mercadian Masks and Urzas. And there were periods where I didn't play a little bit. Started playing again in like 2010, built a bunch of decks, played in a bunch of tournaments. I was in, uh, I played in something called like the Junior Scholastic Series. I don't remember a whole lot of it. Played Pokemon cards too. And I've had cards forever. And now I'm just not interested. Because the culture is dying. Culture is dying. It's becoming plastic and woke. And that's why people will throw away a quarter million dollars of the garbage. Because you know what's probably happening? Ain't nobody wants to buy it anymore. Look, I'm well off. My company's successful. I could probably stand to buy and build every deck I've ever dreamed of. I did a little bit, but I just haven't cared in years. They lost me. And that's a lot of money to lose. More importantly, though, it's the regular people who probably don't care anymore. Maybe that's you. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up in a few minutes. Stick around, and I'll see you all shortly. As many of you know, I have published several songs And uh, this is a bit of a personal segment. Normally, I like to just talk about news things happening to other people, but I think there's something we need to discuss. It's the most important thing anyone can do in the culture war, and that is to make culture. Now, I have the uh, privilege of having a fan base, all of you guys who appreciate this content, and I really do appreciate all of you in return. And that means that when we put out music, the music charts... Because there are people who like the work that I do, who then listen to the song. The song then gets a bunch of plays and sales, and then it makes it to the billboard charts. But this may be the most threatening thing to the establishment. They don't really care if you're talking politics, because politics only reaches those who care about politics. But in a culture war, you have to make culture. Which brings me to the purpose of this segment. I tweeted this out on March 3rd. Hey, Bandcamp. Our account is gone, and so are our songs. Haven't heard back from anyone. Hopefully, it's all just a misunderstanding. It very well may be. But a lot of people don't seem to think it is. They think that our music was removed from band camp intentionally because, well, we have the wrong opinions, and we are not in the woke cult, and we are producing successful culture. Now, I know there are many people who don't like my music. That's fine. You don't have to. I'm just a guy who makes music. I've been playing music since music since I was like seven years old. Play drums, guitar, bass, sing, write, all that good stuff. We got a new music video coming out later this month. It's called uh, Bright Eyes, and uh, it's not very political. Although the song we released, Genocide, just uh, back in November, was very political, criticizing the news media for lying, both uh, and also Will of the People is is overtly political, but not political in the sense like we don't call out Democrats or anything. We just they're songs about political things this song only ever wanted that i have highlighted here it's got 1.9 million views from 6 months ago and this is just like a love and regret song that's the bigger threat in a culture war right now name name any one of your favorite content producers and comment uh, commentary uh, commentators name the culture that they've built name any kind of cultural component they've added name the culture they've built I'll wait. Now, we can talk a little bit about like the Daily Wire's uh, uh, efforts with movies. There are certainly some musicians who, uh, Tom McDonald, for instance, he's got a bunch of like great pop stuff. Then he's got some very political stuff. I think he does a good job of balancing it. That's why he's so successful. But uh, the reality is there's very few. I am not so concerned with making more commentary. I think y'all already know the problems and we can talk about them all day and night. We need to make a culture that will be appealing to people outside of politics and thus spread our sphere of influence. This is why I believe it is, it's the more likely reason we got taken down. There may be some administrative reasons that we got taken down. I'm sure something will happen. Well, they'll say, oh, it was a big misunderstanding, and they'll make up some reason. But I got to be honest, I don't know if anyone's really going to believe that. The reality is, well, first, I'll say this. We don't need Bandcamp. Bandcamp is a website where you can, uh, what do they say? It's an online record store and music community where passionate fans connect with and directly support the artists they love. A large portion of our sales for our songs were made through Bandcamp, and that allowed us to chart. Now, of course, I know there are many people who are going to say that my music is bad and I should stop doing it and all of that stuff, and I, re- I really don't care. I don't, I'm, not, I'm not expecting to be Adele or Taylor Swift or anything like that, but I'm going to make culture in whatever way we can. So that's why we do Cast Castle. I'm not in Cast Castle, but I also make music. Ian's also got music. Carter's got music, and we may, we're probably going to do more, more bands. We just have to expand the operation. We've actually made money making music. But here's the important thing that really freaks them out. My friends, I give you Tim Pool on Wikipedia. Ah, yes, the Tim Pool Wikipedia page. Very funny. Uh, it's got a bunch of weird stuff in it, but fine, sure, whatever. And uh, there's an important part in it. I will also add they've never up, they haven't never they have updated our numbers in a really long time. But I want to show you the most important thing, I think, on the Wikipedia page. And that is the singles section, peak chart positions. Genocide, losing my mind, featuring Pete Parada, formerly of the offspring. He was replaced because he was unable to get the vaccine and didn't believe people should be forced to get it. Digital sales, number four. And rock digital song, number two. I believe Genocide charted on uh, alternative digital in other areas. It's just not listed. I think we got like number 30 or 40 in like alternative and rock. Only ever wanted. The first song I put out with Pete Parada and the second song to officially publish actually did explosively well. Man, a lot of people were really pissed off about this. Number two in sales. Number 21 in rock. Number 24 in rock and alternative. Number 16 in alternative. Now that's hard. Alternative is like everything. Like uh, Post Malone is alternative. Alternative digital sales, number one. And then of course we have in 2020, Will of the People, which also charted at number 17 in alternative sales. That is three songs that I've released have hit Billboard, a 100% success rate. Name your favorite band. Look them up. See how many of their songs have made it to Billboard. Now, granted, if you put out 12 songs all at once on an album, they're not all going to make it. That's fine. It's fair. But these were put out months, in, 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 well, uh, for Will of the People, years, two years later. Only Ever Wanted and Genocide were put out months apart. And they both charted. All three songs charted. I hope the next song we put, put out does chart as well. I wouldn't be surprised if it doesn't, because I can't believe that every song I've put out has hit Billboard. There are musicians who, who, who dream of getting that close. In fact, some of, the, some of my favorite bands have never made it. And some of your favorite bands and singers and, and songwriters and rappers have never made it either. This is the point. In a culture war, the most powerful thing you can do is make culture and win. And Timcast Music is winning. In fact, they point out the song Genocide competed with Taylor Swift for the number one spot on iTunes. We actually beat her. It was the number one uh, genocide, losing my mind, reached number two on Billboard's rock digital song sales, and the number one song for all genres on iTunes in November 2022. They'll try and make excuses as to why that's meaningless. They'll say, oh, but nobody sells music anymore. So you're telling me that the biggest artists in the world, given the opportunity, cannot get the sales? How does that make sense? Is Taylor Swift so famous that she actively tells her fans not to buy her music? No, the reality is we actually did it. We beat Taylor Swift. Now we're not getting the radio play. That's the game. They're not going to put our songs on the radio. They're not going to put our songs in what's called digital streaming playlists. But the fact is people liked it so much or they supported me so much. They bought the song. Taylor Swift didn't get it. I mean, granted, she beat us in the long run. We got number four on the song for the digital sales of the week. But there was a period where we were number one. That is the biggest threat to the machine. The establishment fearing that given the choice, people will buy Tom McDonald, John Rich, Tim Pool. Granted, John Rich, way up at the top. Tom McDonald, way up at the top. Me, eh, I put out a few songs. They did fairly well. We got deleted from Bandcamp. And we're not the only ones. When I tweeted this, five times August said the same thing. No idea what happened, but after 10 years on Bandcamp, they removed my entire catalog of music and signed me out as if I never existed. I just signed up again to reclaim my page. Silent War is available for now as a test, but if they remove, here's a link. This happened to me last week after being on the site for 10 years. My entire catalog and followers gone. They didn't write me back either. I signed up again to reclaim my page, but I'm only keeping one album up for now in case they do it again very interesting. For the time being, the songs we put up, we had three, they're all gone. That's right. Billboard charting songs deleted from Bandcamp. They've not told us why. Everybody's saying, you know why. Now I know, they may come out and say it was a mistake, it was an administrative thing, fine, 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 blah, blah, whatever. But come on, how many people are really going to believe that? The bigger threat is not commentary, it's culture. A John Lennon is a scary thing. He was a famous musician, celebrity, and he got involved in politics. And he said, no Vietnam War. And that really did help end U.S. involvement in Vietnam. What ended up happening was uh, the communists took over. Depending on your perspective on this is a good or bad thing. I think Vietnam was a catastrophe, to be honest. But I wasn't alive for it. I don't know a whole lot about it. I read, I read a little bit, but I'm not going to pretend to be a historian or anything. I can only tell you that what they truly fear is influence, culture. We're going to put out more music. It's rock stuff, so I don't expect it to be number one. But uh, we've got some pop stuff coming. What do you think is going to happen if we hit a viral song? Something that people just want to listen to, something that really works goes viral. And everyone's saying, play it, play it, play it. You can't ignore it. That's scary. They can't control that. There's been a lot of songs that have gone viral organically. There have been a lot of songs. Actually, here's a good example. I think it's uh, Habits by Tuvlu. You know that song? It's like, uh, how does it go? What's it it like? Um, You're gone and I gotta stay high all the time. That song? It was released like and no one knew about it. And like a year later, all of a sudden people just, it was catchy and they wanted to hear it and it went viral. Then you've got somebody that I used to know. You've got Royals by Lord. There there are songs that people just made and then people love the music and it works. What happens if someone like me hits something like that? Mm, that's big bad news for them. What are they going to say? How are they going to keep people from wanting more of it? That's why they come after us. Let me tell you what I think. You've got musicians, they're culture warriors, and they make cultural music. A lot of Tom McDonald stuff is very political. It's not necessarily going to resonate with the average person, but he also makes stuff that does. chart. Uh, I think he hit number one on pop on iTunes and charted on Billboard with it. That's the scarier thing. They don't care if you make music, if your music's, music's political. Go go be some you know crust punk band. Maybe someone will hear about you. But you make pop music, now you're in trouble. And we got the song Only Ever Wanted. The first one we put out. Why did we choose to put out this one? It's not politics at all. It's just like a rock song about love and regret. Now, they tried insulting us saying it was like Nickelback. But I'm like, dude, it's emo makes more sense. Call it emo. Fine. We've got an emo song coming out. Don't get me wrong. We're going to have fun with it. But that's the thing. That's what scares them. Actually breaking into the culture. Check out the music if you haven't. We got a song coming out soon. The reason I'm talking about this is because I just want to beg everybody, make culture, make art, make video games, play card games, be involved, make shows, make comedy. It's not all about politics. We have to do other things. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 8 p.m. over at youtube.com slash timcast Thanks for hanging out. And uh, uh, subscribe to this channel. Hey, my birthday is Thursday. It's my birthday week. I should really be promoting this more. For my birthday, the present I humbly request is become a member at timcast.com. Thanks for hanging out. We'll see y'all tonight.
2: Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over hundred casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase over by Eighteen plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.